0: Amen. Amen. And this morning, I feel like we're supposed to preach on the wisdom of the cross. The wisdom of the cross in 1 Peter chapter three, verse eighteen. Would you stand this morning? I know you may say, "Preacher, dear, and I'm tired of standing." I'm just going to read one verse. If you would honor the reading of God's word, just one verse. 1 Peter three eighteen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I want to preach on the wisdom of the cross. Father, would you help us now to preach as a dying man to a dying people. Fill us with the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost of God. Use us this morning, God, I pray save souls God encourage hearts help us God today in Jesus name we ask it amen and amen one of the young people in the school said preacher Darren why doesn't God just kill the devil she said if I was God I'd just kill the devil and it'd be over we wouldn't have to deal with it anymore I thought, what am I going to say to this young girl? God filled my mouth to say, God always does exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And if we could ask or think of, why don't God kill the devil? God will do better in that he killed his son. Killing the devil would have saved nobody. I'd have still been a sinner and lost. But slaying his own son saw fit for my redemption. You may say this morning, preacher, Aaron, what is the reason for the cross? I just don't understand it. What is the necessity for the cross? It's one word, sin. That's why. You, you, you turn on the news, every day you hear about violence, murders, rape, drug addicts, sex trafficking, drunkenness, but you never hear the word sin. Life is short. Death is sure, sin's the curse, but Christ is the cure. We are cured through the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's say this morning somebody came up to you and punched you in the nose. It hurt, blooded your nose. But by the grace of God, you turned and said, I forgive you. And suppose they said to you, there's no need for you to forgive me. I have forgiven myself. Or imagine someone on the sidewalk said, both of you is wrong. I forgive both of you. You see, the person doing the punching and the person that's a bystander doesn't have the power to forgive. Amen? It's the one that got punched in the face is the one that's going to have to be doing the forgiving. And this morning, y'all, we held our fist. Sin is us holding our fist to God and punishing him, slaying him, crucifying him, that we might have salvation. You see, God, will you hear me? Is a holy God. Sin is reproach and rebellion against a holy God. And sin must be dealt with. Think with me for a second. If a judge were to say to a criminal, well, I'm a loving judge, it's all right, I'm going to overlook your rage, your murder, your drugs, your rape, whatever you've committed, your sin, if I'm just going to overlook it because I'm a loving judge, he's not going to be a righteous judge. You see, if a righteous judge overlooks a crime, he's not a righteous judge. Did you know that in the law, the term jurisprudence, it means that a guilty man who is acquitted... By a judge, just let go for no reason at all, it makes the judge to be condemned. The judge would be guilty. At the moment the judge lets go a criminal without any effects whatsoever, just because he's loving, it makes the judge a criminal. It makes the judge guilty. Look it up, it's in the law. It's jurisprudence. Honey, our... God is not a criminal though he's a loving God he must deal with sin and when he put his son on the cross he became our substitute and he dealt with his son as he would have dealt with any criminal as with any sinner he felt the wrath of God you may say, Preacher Darren I just think God's a loving God God's a righteous God and he just let sinners go Honey, He doesn't just let sinners go. He wouldn't be holy. He wouldn't be righteous if He did so. There must be someone to shed their blood that's innocent. And only God could do that. I want to see three truths this morning. Three truths this morning from this verse that tells us about how God deals with sinners and how God forgives sin. If God just simply overlooks sin and leaves sin unpunished, God would topple from His throne of holiness. And honey, God will forever be on the throne. Number one, when I look in this verse of Scripture, I see the vicarious suffering of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The vicarious suffering of the cross. Now the term vicarious, preacher that's a big word. What does it mean? It means in place of another. Like a substitute. Someone that takes your place. Look with me in the verse. The just. Who's the just? The righteous. Who's the holy one? The just one? It's Jesus. The just for the unjust. Who's the unjust? The sinner. You and me. Here's Christ who was virgin born. Never sinned spotless, without blemish, the stainless Son of God, the just dying in the place of the unjust. It is a substitute. And all through the Bible, God has been teaching us the lesson of substitution. We could go to Abraham. God said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to give you a son. And after following God for years, At a hundred years of age, God gave Abraham a son with his wife who was 90. And I want you to know that after that young man began to grow up a little bit, God said, Abraham, hear my Lord. I want you to take your only son whom thou lovest and offer him as a sacrifice upon the place that I show you. And as they traveled, they came to Mount Moriah which is the same place of the temple that wasn't built yet. And it's the same place of Calvary. And Jesus has not died yet. And they got there and God said, this is the place. And Isaac, that son, said, Father, here's the wood. It's on my back. I've been carrying it. And here's the knife. And here's the fire on the torch. But Father, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And the father Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Just trusting that God would raise raise Isaac back to life. He laid Isaac down. Here's a willing son laying his life down. Abraham drew back the knife and God spoke from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, do thy son no harm. I've seen that you've not withheld from me that thing which is most precious. Let the lad go. And when Abraham lifted his eyes, he looked. And over in a thicket was a ram caught by his horns. And God said, there's the sacrifice for you to give. You see, that ram gave his life in Isaac's place. And I want to tell you that Jesus... Gave his life in my place and in your place. The just for the unjust. And we see that in Abraham's day. We see that at the Passover. Israel had been 400 years in the middle of oppression and affliction in Egypt. And God raised up Moses to be a deliverer and sent plagues to the land of Egypt. And on one night God said to Moses, won't you take a lamb? A sinless lamb, a spotless lamb, one lamb without blemish. You examine him for three days, and you slay that lamb, and you take its blood and you put on the doorpost and the lintel of your house on the outside, not on the inside, on the outside, where you're not ashamed. On the outside, on the outside, publicly, where everybody can see, I am affiliating myself with the promise of God Almighty. And that night when God came walking through the land of Egypt, when He was looking at every household, He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. In every home we saw the blood, He passed over and where the blood was not, there was a grievous Christ's death. Entered into that house and killed the firstborn. Oh, can you just imagine? I'm the firstborn of my household. Oh, daddy, make sure the blood has been applied to our house, daddy, that I might live and not have to go out and die. Amen. I want you to know that God says in 1 Peter chapter 1, look with me, in verse number 18, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, verse 18, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot to every home that had applied the blood the death angel passed by that very night. I began to think about how Jesus was examined by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, every devil in in, in hell. And Pilate himself said, Behold, I find no fault in Jesus. I want you to know that that day, at every Passover at 3 o'clock, Is the time they would offer the Passover lambs. They would bring them through the sheep gate into Jerusalem to have them ready for their blood to be shed. And I'm telling you the same days that the sheep are coming to the sheep gate. Jesus, the Lamb of God's coming through the eastern gate into Jerusalem and the people are praising Him. They're hailing Him, if you will. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Can you just imagine the sheep are coming in, the lambs are coming in. And on that Passover, they would take the priest, would take the lamb and take a knife and shed its little, little cut its little throat and shed its little innocent blood. Now I'm telling you on that Passover, Jesus, God's lamb, shed his blood. He had power to lay down his life. Lord to God, help me preach. He had power to take it back up again. Amen. He laid down his life, the substitution of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thought then about the scapegoat, the goat. It's amazing about sheep and goat. Billy Graham said one time on his farm up here in North Carolina, He said they had some sheep. He said we didn't have them two hours and they were all gone. They found one hole in the fence and all the sheep had gone astray because it's just their nature. Say, oh me, that's your nature to go astray and to find a hole in the fence. He said we had an old goat. We hated that goat. That goat was eating everything around, tearing up the fields, making a mess of everything. And that old goat, we led him away. We tried to get rid of him. We thought... Surely he We went and found our sheep and brought them back. But hopefully that goat will stay somewhere else. He said before we got home. By the way, the road uh, curves on the, with a car. The, the billy goat had already beat us back home. It's hard to get rid of a amen. Hard to get rid of a billy goat in your life, amen. They're always butting in, butting in, amen. But there was a scapegoat. The principle: of the scapegoat is a substitution. The high priest would take this goat and he would confess all the sins of the people upon the head of the goat. He would take the goat and lead the goat outside the city walls and there the goat would be put to death. I would remind you that Calvary Jesus was brought just outside the city walls. He was our scapegoat shedding his blood that our sins might be forgiven that we might be saved. Do you see substitution with Abraham? Do you see substitution at the Passover? Do you see substitution even with the scapegoat? I see substitution even in the moment. Pilate trying to come up with a genius scheme to get out of having to make a decision about Jesus, he turned to the people and said, you have a custom that I should release unto you a prisoner. Whom will ye that I should release to you? Barabbas, a man guilty of murder, a man guilty of sedition. He is a criminal and is found guilty. Or Jesus, and I find no fault in Jesus. Whom will ye that I should release unto you? And the people said, Give us Barabbas. He said, What then shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? They said, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Pilate washed his hands of that and said, I'm the innocent of the blood of this just person. Take Him and scourge Him and see to it that he is crucified. And they led our Savior away out to the place where he would be scourged. I can just see maybe a soldier as he takes his keys and he goes back out to where the prison is and he puts his key in the prison door and back in the corner of that prison laying on the straw is a criminal by the name of Barabbas. He opens that cell to, Barabbas, I've come for you. No, he says. Oh, please, no. No, I am guilty of murder. I am guilty of sedition. No, please don't kill me. Barabbas, this is your lucky day. They found someone to take your cross. And he grabs him by the arm, escorts him from that prison cell out across the judgment hall, looking up on Golgotha and said the cross on the left and the cross on the right are two thieves being executed for their sins. And the middle cross Barabbas was your cross being executed. You were to be executed for your sins, for your crimes. But this man is taking your place. Do you see the vicarious suffering of our Lord upon that cross. Think about His suffering for a minute. He was in the garden with His disciples, and He prayed. And being in agony, can you imagine the word "agonizei"? It means that the capillaries and the veins in His body, being under such pressure, were rupturing, coming through His sweat glands. And as he prayed, his sweat became as great drops of blood. And when they betrayed him, when he came to the edge of that garden, and Judas said, Hail, Master, and kissed him on the cheek, he would have kissed the blood of Jesus Christ and rejected it and betrayed him. It's happened here on Sunday mornings when I have preached, when God has dealt with sinners and you know to be saved and how Jesus gave his life for you and you kissed the blood and you turned away and lived a counterfeit life and only God and you really know that that is true this morning. Barabbas, this is your Lucky day to a Roman soldier. That was luck. But to God the Father, that was the plan of Almighty God. As they put Jesus on that cross, they would have found a place not in His hand, but in His wrist. They would have driven those nails after scourging Him. they find that place to drive those nails in, to find that median nerve. And it caused him to have excruciating pain through his whole body. This, after having beaten him, Roman lector, maybe two of them, one would start at the neck and beat him downward. One would start at his feet and beat him upward. They would lash him and strap him with the flagrum and that cat of nine tails. And it made 351 cuts on his body if he only had 39 lashes. And this is not the Jew's whipping him, it is the Romans who are not subject to Jewish law. And every time that those leather straps would whip his body, bone and metal and glass would grab that flesh and rip it and tear it. And his flesh hung like ribbon. At least 702 inches of cuts and lacerations on his body. His blood was shed. They tied him to that pole. And after they beat him with such beating and his blood was shed, the Bible says they brought him. In other words, a man having that beating could only crawl away. he didn't walk away from that beating. And as Jesus tried to crawl, they picked him up and they brought him to the judgment hall and they put a robe upon him and they made sport of him and plucked his beard and spat upon him. He who was suffering this because he loved you. And because he loved me. And then to make insult worse, they had him carry the cross up Calvary's hill. And they'd nail him there, putting that nail in his hands and his feet. And every time his body would slump, those nerves would pull. And then he would get on his feet and that pressure would push. And he was in such pain and such misery. And the blood being shed from his body He is God. He could have stopped this moment at any time he wanted to. But he said, Father, I'll go and give my life because Darren is a sinner. And without me, he'll die and spend eternity in hell. Praise God for my Redeemer and his suffering in my place. We have a passion play here. It's called this man Jesus. Oftentimes, when they beat Jesus and they put him on the cross and they're screaming and noise, I'll hear children scream, put their fingers in their ears, say, No, Mama, I'm scared, Mama. What are they doing to Jesus, Mama? Honey, hear me. No passion play could ever rightly portray what our Savior suffered the day he was crucified on my cross. And to make matters worse, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back upon his own son and treat that son as if that son, as he was made my sin and your sin, he drank the bitter dregs of our sin. Your drinking, your drugs, your sexual addictions all the words you say, all the shameful actions you've ever committed, Jesus took them upon His cross and upon His body that you might be forgiven. No one ever loved me like Jesus. I see in this verse the just for the unjust. I see in this verse Jesus suffering for our sins, amen. Number two, I begin to think about Jesus drinking the cup, the pollution of sin. I begin to think about Jesus wearing the crown, the penalty of sin. I begin to think about Jesus as he's bearing the cross, paying the price for our sin. I see in it, number two, the vital satisfaction of the cross. Aaron, the satisfaction, oh yes. Look with me in verse 18. For Christ also hath once, underline that word, once suffered for sins. What about that? That doesn't mean once upon a time. It means once and for all. Amen. When he said it is finished, the debt had been paid. Not his debt. My debt. Your debt. Our debt has been paid. Go get the devil and tell him, amen. I can't do nothing but cry. In the Roman world, when a man was arrested, reigned, and found guilty, he would be sentenced maybe to prison, maybe for some term, maybe for life. And as he's sentenced to prison, they would write out on a placard, the certificate of death and they would hang it or the certificate of debt and hang it upon his wall of his prison, upon the door. For every sinner, we are criminals and the wages of sin is death. So my certificate of debt was a certificate of death. Darren Waldrop, his crime, sin against a holy God His punishment is death. Hell would be too good for me if I reject God's Son who would suffer such ignominy in my place. Hell would be too good for me. May I just say this morning that when Jesus took my place, You see, unless you have someone to be a substitute for your sin, you will suffer yourself individually for your sin. I don't have to suffer because I have a substitute. And when he made the payment and paid the price for my sin. And inside my prison cell, when I bowed my knees and said, Oh God, I'm wretched, undeserving, and unworthy. Lord, I ought to die and go to hell. I ought to have to have this certificate of death hanging over me. But you, Lord, love me. And if you'd forgive me and have mercy on me, I believe you're the Savior. I believe I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? In His mercy. And by the power of His grace, He wrote. It is finished over my certificate of debt on my prison door. He wrote the word tetelestai, which means it is paid in full. And the prison door, door opened and he said, Son, that's a family name. You can go free. Your payment has been satisfied. Oh, thank God for that. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 14... For by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Isaiah 53, 11, God the Father shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. God was satisfied with Jesus' work on the cross. Hallelujah. I think about the, excru- the word is excruciatus. Ex means out of. Cruce means cross. Excruciados means out of the cross. Honey, the word excruciating, we get that word, and it comes from what Jesus suffered on the cross to pay your payment to get you out of sin's prison. Thirdly, and I'm done. When I look at this verse, for Christ also hath once, not twice, not three times, honey, he paid one payment, And forever God is satisfied. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. Look at this. That he might bring us to God. He suffered for sin. That he might bring us to God. May I just say that you are separated from God today by sin. Sin has separated you. There's no way God will ever even look upon you here except for Jesus. And through Jesus, He might have mercy upon your soul. But as Jesus hung upon the cross, He transcended time and eternity. And then He reached up and grabbed a hold of His Father and He reached down and grabbed a hold of sinful man And he brought us together. Will you hear me for a second? The word bring. Oh, what a word here. It's the word prosego. It means to bring one into court before the king. I was in sin's prison. Debt. Death was my certificate of death. Hanging over me. Jesus came. The doors were open. He said, you're loose to go free. He walks me out of that prison. One day, I'll stand in God's court at the judgment seat of Christ where I will be given rewards for my deeds or I'll suffer loss of reward for my deeds. And I know I'll be ashamed Because my lack of prayer, my lack of devotion, my lack of soul winning, my my lack of love or mercy, I know I'll stand there ashamed. And Jesus will walk up and he'll put his arms around me and he'll say, Father, if you've accepted me and my work on the cross, will you accept, Darren? Because he's looking to me. I'm His advocate, Father. And I want you to know, Father, I'm standing with Him when nobody else will stand with Him. I'll stand with Him, Father. He's brought us to God. Without Him, I would have stood before God alone and I would have heard depart from me. I never knew you and He cast me in the lake of fire. But because of the cross and because I've looked upon Him and trusted Him, I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. He's brought us to God. Oh, I've got more I could preach, but I feel like the Lord just wants me to stop right there. You stand to your feet. Your head's bowed, nobody's looking. Can Jesus say about you, Father, these are mine. If you'll accept me, Father, will you accept them? Man, I'm telling you, that puts me on my face. That puts me on my knees. That puts me in a place of worship. That through the suffering and the atonement and the blood, He shed His blood that I might be able to stand before God. As unworthy as I am. Maybe there's somebody today, you need to run this altar and say, oh God, I was in sin's prison. Death was my sentence. And Jesus ransomed me. (laughs) And I want to worship you today, Jesus. I want to praise you because my sin has been so heinous. My sin has been so wicked. My sin, oh God, I ask you today, Lord, please, Lord, hear me when I say thank you for the suffering of the cross of Calvary. And if there's one here and you'd stand and you'd say, Preacher Dad, if God were to call me from this life today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I've ever been saved. I truthfully doubt it today, Preacher. Is there somebody here in the altar? You're standing. Maybe you're watching on the Internet. I don't know. Is there somebody that say, Pastor there, pray for me. I want to be saved. I'll not bring you down. I'll not embarrass you. But there may be some, I believe with all my heart, in a congregation of this size, there's somebody that Jesus wants to save today. Would you let him? You're in sin's prison, son. You know you need to be saved, young lady. I'll not embarrass you. Would you just trust Him by putting your hand up and say, Jesus, I need to be saved. We're looking. We're praying. Is there anybody? Follow this morning, Lord, you know the need. Maybe there's someone online. Maybe there's someone in a car at home maybe in a hospital today Lord I pray today God as they confess themselves a sinner that God then say Jesus is Savior would you forgive me would you save me would you let me go to heaven wash me from my sins in Jesus blood and save my soul Live in, my, live in my heart and let me live with you in heaven. In Jesus' blood, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.